going to save my intros for the end of the message because I don't want to uh, say too much. I just want to jump right into this. Is that okay? I love this church and I love what's happening here. I think I'll say some things at the end about that. You know, I've fought depression all of my life. Far back as I can remember, I, if you knew the full extent, how deep it's gone, you would be so impressed with all I've done despite it. If you only knew the thoughts inside of my head that yell so loud, I can't hear a good thought. Sometimes I've, I've never been medicated, but if I'd gone, if I'd seen a doctor about it when I was younger, I, I would say I'd have to be clinically depressed. I probably needed to be medicated all my life. Somehow I made it to this point. And thank God for coffee. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I discovered coffee about a year ago, and it really works for depression. It's awesome. You take coffee, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> can't feel my nose. I'm just kidding. I mean, if you never drunk it all your life, you're like, espresso. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm a good person. What do you think? Oh, this crowd's got it, man, a little bit more in the, in the other service. Uh, I'm a good person. I make a difference for a living. I wake up every morning. I fly off of my bed that's like this high up in the air and I just send down into the world to rescue someone. I, I have this mindset that I was born to do that and that's what I do with my life. But sometimes, even in my most selfless, most godly moments when I should feel really good about myself, depression still says, you suck. And, and what happened was, well, this is more than being sad. I mean, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm disgusted with my face or my body or my dorky sounding voice. Uh, so, sometimes I feel like in my own ears, my voice sounds like, you know, I'm talking like, you know, like, 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 I, I, like I have this dumb voice. I had a guy one time said to me, he said, do you like the sound of your voice? I said, no, I hate it. He said, well, you need to overcome that because you're called by God to be a voice, and you can't hesitate to talk. You can't hesitate to like the sound of your voice. You gotta get used to it, you gotta like it because God has called you to talk and to talk and to talk, and you can never get sick of your sermons and your ideas and your dumb jokes, your good jokes. <laughs> and, and, but I was conceived in a complicated relationship. Uh, I, I, I represented and an affair, and, and I, was, I was unwanted, and I was despised. I, I don't think he wanted to break me, but he was a perfectionist also, and nothing was ever good enough. I think he was trying to make me better, but every single thing I did was no good. And so by the time I was a teenager, I hated myself. I even attempted suicide two times as a teenager. And both times I wrote a goodbye letter to him. And I wanted to end my life so that he could suffer the rest of his life, knowing how much pain he had caused me. And then I met Emily and she raised me from there on up to now. She's done a great job 
Let's hear it for my wife. <laughs> no. Uh, um, I, you might not fight with depression, but nearly everyone struggles to truly love yourself. And until you learn to love yourself, you'll never reach your destiny. You have to love yourself. Say it out loud, I love myself. See, see you've been told you're not allowed to love yourself, not here, but you've been told that, the world tells you that, but you gotta jack it up. Till you walk in the mirror and you're like, you take a double take, you go back, you're like, hey, I see you, I saw you there, looking so good. Go to the bathroom, look back in there, you're still there. Through the years, I've learned the secrets of loving myself and I've turned up my resting happiness. That's why I'm gonna do this session tonight. This session tonight, I'm not gonna preach necessarily. I'm gonna, I, I feel like I've got my TED talk. I'm gonna do a TED talk on a national, on, on one of the biggest TED talks. It's one of my dreams. It's like the, it's like the ultimate pinnacle of speaking and, I, and, I've, and I've got my topic and I wanna test it on you guys. I've never spoken it before, but I'm gonna teach you how to overcome depression and raise your, your level of base happiness. How many of you could use that? Thanks, man. Wow. Come tonight, six o'clock. And so I can't take credit necessarily for this miracle that's happened in my life because much of what's happened for me is a miracle. And I'm going to pass that miracle on to this church today so that you can jack that up even on a higher level than you're already hitting. It's a miraculous work of God that I had little to do with, and it's the topic of the sermon. And so here is how God creates the miracle of causing people to love themselves. Number one, he, God, cheers for you. Some people have an image of an angry God, and I can tell you God is not like that. Some stuffy, misguided Christian gave you the wrong picture of God. And until you fix your picture of God, if you, until you fix your picture of God, you'll never be the confident lion slayer that you were created to become. And you've got to know that God is your biggest fan, that God cheers for you. Say that to somebody, God cheers for you. The Lord your God, here's a verse, is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will, he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with singing. I read that verse and I thought to myself, God is singing over Chuck Balsamo? He's like, Chuck Balsamo, you are the man of the, I can't sing, guys. Aren't you guys glad I'm not your worship leader? Can you imagine that? Welcome to Destiny. Well, I'm not Destiny. That's the name of my church. Um, yeah, well, anyway. But God, can you imagine the lyrics he's creating over your life and how beautiful his voice sounds? Sometimes you're going down the road and all of a sudden you have happy thoughts about yourself. You're like, where's this coming from? My life is good. God's probably singing over you. You can't hear it, but you can feel it. It's breaking his realm and into yours. And you're feeling God's pleasure over your life. Say, God likes me. Say, God loves me. Say, God's crazy about me. Man, I tell you, this is how God, this is how God causes you to love yourself. The second thing that God does is that he has people in heaven are cheering for you. 
The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says, uh, wherefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those people who have died before us and have gone to be with the Lord, since we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that's set out before us. Since we are surrounded, connected with let us run signifies that we run because there are someone in heaven cheering for us. And from their cheering, we have strength. My mom told me right the day before she died, I said, do you have any last words for me? I led my mom to the Lord, by the way. And then I preached her funeral and 47 people got born again in my mom's funeral. She resisted Jesus for like all the way up until the last few years. But I said, Mom, do you have any last words for me? She quoted from Paul talking to Timothy. She said, my time is up. I've finished my race. But I'm saying to you, run your race. I'm like, man, my mom, this is the same woman who cheered for me in cross country, who cheered for me when I was a track runner. She was always the loudest voice in the crowd. And now she's in the cloud of witnesses cheering. Sometimes I can almost hear her. The third thing God does is that he has people on earth here to cheer for you. Some people say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what people think about you. All that matters is what God think about you. And that's, that's true to some degree, but it's really not true at all. It does matter what people think about you. Rico, right? Dude, you are the coolest guy in this church. Seriously. I was watching you in worship. I'm obsessed with you, man. Just completely obsessed with you. I'm like, I was like, what's that guy's name? Rico. I'm having dinner with Rico Suave. You remember back at, well, anyway, on Monday night, we're having dinner with, anyway, I got to get back on my sermon. So, so here, so, so what God does is his, his, he says that, uh, what I'm saying is that the way people around you feel about you matters. If you're around a bunch of people who don't celebrate you, get in another circle. You have the right to surround yourself with people who think you're handsome and beautiful and awesome. Come on, guys. That's what I love about this church. I love coming here. I don't think I'm that, I don't think I'm that great, but you guys make me feel like I'm great, and you've done it ever since I've come here. First sermon I ever preached, I preached Call of the Wild. Ooh. And there's still people when I come in here that will howl at me. I'm like, why are we howling? That was so long ago, I forgot the sermon. But we're still howling. I remember Kevin in the back used to do that all the time. One of the greatest guys to ever come into this church. And, uh, and so the Bible says, since we're surrounded, so we can run a better race when we surround ourselves with the right people. And by an act of God, since he knows this is the way it is, he surrounds you with the right people. And that, my friend, is a gift from God. If you're sitting beside someone who celebrates you, you should nudge them right now and be like, I thank God for you. Because those people are part of you reaching your destiny. The Bible strongly encourages cheering. The Bible says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them, Ephesians 4.29. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up as you're already doing, Bethel Harvest Church. See, he's even saying this, and he's encouraging while he's saying it. And the Bible does that a lot of times. It build everybody up as you're already doing. Do you see that? You're already doing this. I just want to tell you, keep doing it. 
Proverbs 10, 11, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. You have to choose to let your words give life to people around you. And what you say and how you smile and how you look at people and how you make them feel is changing their life. Creativity killer number one is voice of judgment. VOJ. When you feel like people are hating on you, you start to become a lesser version of yourself. But when people start clapping, that's why you can make this sermon better if you choose to right now. You could just do this whole time. And then I'm like, oh God, how am I going to get this sermon out? Or you could start clapping fanatically. And watch my level start to go up. See, people feel like, well, you know, pastor would just preach a better sermon, worship team just sing a better song. You possess that power. Create the wave that they can surf. A hundred footer record breaking services when the crowd goes wild. Man, I'm prophesying that this church has now become a container for thousands. I even believe that what I'm seeing is 10,000 people. I believe this church is supposed to hit the 10,000 mark. You're, and, and the container has been created. I have never been in a church where it is more perfect versus the size. Everything is ready, and now God is going to start to bring people through those doors. I mean, you've already done so well. Look around at all these people, but this is nothing compared to what God is getting ready to do, and God is jacking you up with cheering in your spirit because when they come through the doors, you're going to be clapping. One trend I loved at Easter this year, and I, I hate I missed the trend. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram. I was like, dang, I missed a church trend where people were making signs. Did you guys get in on the church trend? I hate you guys, man. You did it. I mean, I love you guys. God bless you. But you know, we're happy you're here. Welcome. Look at you. Come on in. I was like, dang, that was a good idea. Next year we're going to have signs, and next year it won't be a trend anymore. We just missed it. But man, that feeling of somebody coming across the parking lot, oh, there's a sign, oh, there's another sign, there's a smiling friend. My God, where have I just come to? This isn't what I thought church was. And the church has been losing for years because we've been trying to power up on people and thump down on people. And we've been playing the short game instead of the long game. And God is getting us ready to play the long game with this fallen world and attract them with our encouragement. There's nowhere on earth you can go and get more lifted up than with God's people. So I've always been an encourager, but there was a day when I became obsessed with cheering. I've run, my wife's run 56 half and full marathons. There, my wife and I are running our first marathon. And uh, I've run like, I don't know, 13 or so, maybe 16, 15. And there was a time I had a knee injury, and I was like, oh, I can't run. So I'm like, I'm going to go. I'll just cheer you on. I get into the Racers Expo. Everybody's there with their big, fat calf muscles and their brand-new shoes and their cool tape on their legs. I'm like, whoa, so many cool things going on. The pump-up music is going, and I'm wearing like a pair of Clarks. And they're like, oh, spectator. And I'm like, man, I want the cool shoes. I, I'm gonna, I've, now, I have run before where I just went ahead untrained and registered because it got me so jacked up. But this time I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to do that to myself and get a little older. I'm not going to just try to run, go from couch to marathon. So I just wasn't ready. And I said, you know what? This is terrible. It's the worst day of my life. I want to run, but I'm going to be a fan. So I, 
I looked at the map and I said, well, I'm going to start here at mile one. I'm going to go to mile three, mile nine, mile 18. I'm going to be over here and I'll be just cheering. And so I woke up the next morning. I was like, all right, here I go. I'm going to try to be enthusiastic about this. I put on my jeans and my Clark shoes and I went out there and I stood on the sidelines and they started coming by and I went, looking strong, looking powerful. I see you, number 33. I see you, number 712, number 726, number 845, number, number 11. I, was, I hear when they go into like triple digits and quadruple digits. And I'm, and I'm just yelling at people, and I'm, all of a sudden I'm watching. And I'm seeing people look down there, and they're, and they're like, hey, thank you. Then they get to mile nine or so. Still looking strong. Still looking powerful. Look at you go. And I see people, mile, mile 18, 18 miles behind you. Look at what you've accomplished so far. You've run through rain. You've run up and down hills. And you're still running. Look at you. You don't even look tired. I'm, I'm yelling at people saying, man, you got it. And then get right to the end. Just, just 200 yards and a left turn, and a downhill to the finish. And you can tell some people thought they had 20 more miles to go, and they're like, whoa, thank you. And they just started running again, like with new vigor. And I realized that people who were walking would run when I cheered. People who were running would get up on their toes when I cheered, and I thought, I'm doing that. And I realized that I possess the power to change a life. And it's not just in a marathon. This works in life. And I believe that every person should cheer for others because when the crowd goes wild, miracles happen. When the crowd goes wild, miracles happen. Champions are born, records are broken, and everyone rides the bandwagon. The first miracle is that Champions are born. You cheer at someone for long enough, and they suddenly start to believe it. Oh my God. I did a prophecy one time over this. I don't know if I've shared this here. It's been so long. I, I did a prophecy. I was prophesying over this, uh, this church, and this woman had her kids were in the church. And I get to this kid, and God says, I'm going to do this and this and this with your life. And I'm prophesying over this kid, and the mom is behind the kid. I didn't know it. She starts going like this. I mean, that was her face, too. I wish you could see it underneath my beard. All you can see is, like, beard. But underneath the beard, I'm going. She was like, she was like, she goes to the other kid. She wanted me to take my prophecy for the broken kid and give it to the fixed kid. But do you notice the way God works with prophecy? That many times he goes to the broken one. Oh, come on, guys. He goes to the broken one. He starts, everybody's going. You don't know them. If Jesus, did you, if he only knew who that woman was, he's a, he wouldn't let her wash his feet. My God. Oh, come on, guys. God. And so, and so, yeah, that's right. She was about to stand up. I was going to go in overdrive. You just stayed standing up, but I'll go ahead and take a breath. In the beginning, there was someone motivated by love standing in your battle, swinging their sword to fight back your darkness. 
and they affirmed you. And as they affirmed you, they were breaking the curses, one affirmation after another, punching discouragement and depression and a poor self-identity in the face, knocking it out cold. Suddenly you started to believe in yourself. They spoke perfect moments and perfect, perfect words and perfect moments, and they carried you like Ruth carried Naomi when Naomi lost faith after she lost her husbands and her two sons, and she's left with two daughter-in-law, Moabitess, cursed women from a cursed country, and she goes, she says, you guys stay here. I'm going here. I've lost everything. She even tells when she goes back into town, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because my life sucks and my life has been made bitter. My name is bitterness. It's, it's bitterness. That's what Mara means. And Ruth said, I will not let go. Your God is my God. Your people, my people. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. What was Ruth saying? God's not finished with you yet, Naomi. You can't see it, but he still has a plan. And God will attach somebody to your life who will believe for you when you've lost faith in yourself. God, they will keep cheering until you get your faith back again. And that is exactly what happened with Naomi. You know the story, right? Naomi, they get there. Ruth gets up the next morning. Ruth was probably, I can't wait to meet her in heaven. She's a really cool character. She goes out. She's working in the field. And then she comes home. She's like, look at all the wheat that I got. Naomi goes, where'd you get that wheat? She goes, oh, some guy named Boaz. Naomi, the depressed one, call me, don't call me. Naomi, call me bitterness. She goes, what? What'd you say his name was? Boaz. He's a kinsman redeemer. Ruth, go back out again tomorrow, and here's the way I want you to follow. And if he says this, does that, and she starts barking out orders again. I said, you know, a leader gets is getting healed from discouragement when they start leading again. And she started leading again, but it was Ruth that carried her in her darkest moment until she could get up and believe in herself again. And that, my friend, is what you possess the power to do. Oh, man. You, uh... You may go your whole life and never raise somebody from the dead, though I've tried probably 10 times or so. I was joking in the early service. We, we, uh, uh, I prayed over a dead body in Mexico, and the body got warm. I was like, oh, man, this is getting ready to happen. This is going to really do wonders for my ministry. Like, you raise a dead man, you can preach anywhere. I was like, this is just one. You know, God, just one person raised from the dead. <laughs> Forget about the person that needs to be raised. God, just one miracle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I cared about the person. I really wanted it to happen, and then he went cold again. It was terrible. But I've tried. One of these days, I'd love to see somebody who died before their time. I'd love to walk in with all the grieving people and do it just like Jesus and say, everybody, stay outside. Walk in there and say, daughter, get up, and watch them come back to life again. But you might not never do that, but what I'm talking about today is even bigger than that. You possess the miracle to make baby champions. And besides winning someone to Christ, there is nothing bigger than making a baby champion. Yeah. Eric, come over here real quick. I hope I'm okay to do this. This is my friend Eric from Cincinnati. Let's give him a hand here real quick. Come on, Eric. Come on, right up here. Oh, oh my God, I'm going to diet. How you like my little baby champion? Uh, I wanted to do the illustration because when you cheer for someone, in essence, that's what you're doing. You're making a champion. This guy's actually making a champion out of me. <laughs> People should pay him just to like cheer for them. He's incredible at it. But besides winning someone to Christ is the greatest thing you can do. Ezekiel. 
prophesy to a valley of dry bones and keep prophetically affirming life until they get up. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And I prophesied to the bones, get up and come together. Then there was a rattling, there was a shaking sound. And the bones came together, one bone to another bone. And then God said, good job, Ezekiel, prophesy again a second time. And muscles started coming over the bones and skin and organs. And they sat there lifeless. And he said, prophesy again. You know what's crazy? Is that you possess the power to call the Holy Spirit on a city? He said, I give you the power to prophesy the Spirit of God to go into these people and bring them back to life. And he said, and so I prophesied and I called to the four winds. And I said, winds, oh, come from the four corners of the earth and breathe over these fallen ones. And they stood up on their feet and they stood there a mighty army. You possess the power to do that. Some people feel they will never believe in themselves. And without you, they never will. In the Bible, God made champions by first convincing them of their own greatness and potential. Moses, you are my deliverer. Moses said, no, you don't understand. I can't talk. I'm this, I'm that. God says, do not say you can't talk. He basically said, who made your mouth? God doesn't need anything from you except a yes. Come on, guys. See, you're disqualifying yourself. I'm not like all the other people. Listen, there's only one guy that got in trouble as far as the talents were concerned. It was the least talented guy because the grit, oh my God, this is coming to me for the first time. It was the least talented guy. Remember five talents, two talents, one talent, five turned it into 10, two turned it into four, one buried it in the ground. I believe the reason this guy was cursed because he buried it in the ground, didn't do anything with his life, is because he was probably going to be the point of the sermon. God was probably going to show that he could do the most with he who had the least. And instead, this guy took an inventory of himself and said, I have nothing to offer. Hey, I, wanna, I got a sermon for the lowest person in the room right now. You have nothing to offer? Just give it to God and watch what he can do with your life. You don't need anything but a yes. Anything but a yes. Jeremiah, you are the man of God for this hour, but I'm just a child, Jeremiah says. He says, do not say you're just a child. you got to stop saying stuff that people have said over all your life. You're just a kid. One of these days, you know, you're not strong enough. you got to keep studying. you got to this. And God says, your time has come. All I need is a yes. God will spend time con- Yes, Lord. Corey said, he said, Dad, when you talked about me in the last sermon, did you hear like how the range just flooded down? He said it was like the greatest missionary moment of all time. You know, he didn't say it like that, but he was basically like, it was like, Corey, my son, the wild missionary way up in the mountains, living in tents and making contact with tribal people who have never met, never met anybody like him. And, and, and all of a sudden it's like, Corey was like, yep. You guys with me? Gideon, mighty hero. Oh, you don't understand, you got the wrong guy. I'm the least in my family. I'm the butt of all the jokes. My family's the least in our clan. We're we're the least in, and our clan's the least in the whole nation. Yup, perfect. 
go with the power you have. In other words, you already possess everything you need, Gideon. I didn't come to give you anything else. I just came to get you to believe in what you already possess. Come on, guys. Maybe that's what I'm here to do today for somebody. Maybe over in there or over in there, somebody all the way in the back. I came just to tell you, you already have everything you need to change the world. You just have to believe it. You just have to believe it. And that's my job. That's his job. That's this church's job. That's why you want to come to a church like this. Because they will keep prophesying over the dead bones until it's up on its feet doing great things. Parents, church workers, school teachers, coaches, mentors, managers, supervisors, influencers. Are you making champions or cowards? Who? new science of personal development. They say now that you should focus 80% on your strengths and 20% on your weaknesses. Some people spend their whole life, they think the goal of church is to get people to come to the altar like, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, rub my nose in it, God. And, and, and we think that if we can just put enough sin consciousness on you, we can get you to walk away from your sins. But the Bible really works by giving you an understanding of righteousness consciousness, of the grace and power of God and what he can do in your life. We had a, we had a homeless guy in Cincinnati. Eric, I told the story before, but now I'm going to tell it with you here. So this guy knocks on my window. It's pouring down rain in Cincinnati. He rolls the window down. It's flooding into my brand new vehicle. And so I'm like, I stereotyped him. He looked homeless. And I said, and if you know my family, I'm allowed to say this because we just help the most down and out people in the whole world. And I love the, the lower down in life you are, the more I love you. But this guy looked in the window. I was trying to figure out the app. <clears throat> the app. <clears throat> the app. Uh, and and I'm, I'm just like, look, I said, I don't have any cash. And I didn't. So he goes, uh, I said, meet me in the coffee shop. And so, so, he, so he, goes, he goes down to the coffee shop. He gets in there. He sits down at the table. This guy has such a winning smile, doesn't he? He's like, hey, guys. He's like, I just want a coffee. Of course, when, I, when he goes up, he orders everything on the menu. And that was cool, <laughs> like $28 just for him alone. Uh, no, it wasn't that bad. But anyway, he's like, yeah, oh, give me one of those cookies too, and I'll take the, yeah, bacon. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I want a sauce. He's just adding everything. I'm not making that up, am I? And uh, so he sits down at the table, and then they have their kid with them. And he just starts confessing all the sins of his life. I live like this, and I do this, blah, 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 and this. And, and I'm just like, whoa. I was like, I know if it was just me and my family, but I'm just getting to know Eric and his family. If it was me and my family, we, 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 here's the way we'd handle it. We'd play long game with this guy. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, well, you shouldn't be doing that, you sinner. I'm just like, what can I do to plant a seed in this guy's life so that he knows a Christian man just represented God properly? you got to play the long game with people. The church needs to start playing the long game with this nation. We've lost credit. And we've got to do it right. We've got to do it Jesus' way. And so, and so we, we, just started, we just started saying, man, dude, you've got the best smile we've seen in all of Cincinnati. He's like, you think so? He starts telling the story about how he was downed all of his life. He was basically just like me. He was broken. We started building him up. And he's like, wow, maybe I could be something in my life. And it was amazing. And it's amazing if you're not careful, you will you will break your kids like I was broken. You will, when you as a parent focus on 
weaknesses and mistakes, you will break your children. They may submit to you. They may stick their nose in the wall a thousand times. And by the way, that's cool. Some kids need to get their nose in the wall. Um, right? Right? But be careful because you can go so far that you accidentally break your children. And they'll submit to you until they're about 18. I remember one time I had Corey, I had him, man, and he kept getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, that's right. Who's the man? Who's your daddy? And uh, one day Corey's just like, I was like, blah, blah, blah. And Corey's like, I wish you would. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm getting ready to get my butt kicked by my son. And I thank God he didn't do it. He held back. He knew he could take me, you know. But what I'm saying is that if you're not careful, you may have submission but then in their 20s, you realize you got a cowardly kid that won't attempt to do anything because they're so broken inside they can't think for themselves. Come on, man, that was free of charge right there. That was an extra little message. And so when the crowd goes wild, champions are born. If you continue to cheer for long enough, a baby champion grows up and breaks records set by previous generations. The goal is for your kids to go beyond you. The goal is that when you keep cheering for someone, you never know what somebody's going to become until you put enough cheering on them. So somebody goes, man, that person's just such a mess. No, let me tell you what they are. They're just not loved. I tell people in marriages, my wife, my husband, my this, my that. What are you doing to love? The Bible says husbands love your wives. Don't go get another wife. Love the one you have, and she'll probably get better. I can't guarantee it, but I kind of can because when you throw enough love at something, it grows. It gets better. It gets awesome. You don't even know what a person's capable of until they're loved enough, until they're cheered enough. Amen? I could do an entire message about the power of or about the uh, about how much better God works with cheering versus complaining. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to give you the short version of this section. Cheer at God and watch him take your life from chaos to completion and break records with you. He is enthroned on the praises of Israel. Would you like God to be enthroned over your life? Cheer at him. God knocked down the walls of Jericho with shouting and doo -doo -doo -doo, trumpets. Do you want to knock down a barrier? Cheer at God and he'll knock down your barriers. God destroyed the armies that were assembled against Jehoshaphat. And, he, and, 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 um, and all Jehoshaphat did was sing songs about God's goodness. Do you want God to destroy the armies circling your life today? Sing it him. Sing about his goodness and watch God deal with your armies. See, God does not respond favorably to complaining, neither does the universe he created. This is an immutable law. It will always be the same. When you complain, you are cursing your life. When you cheer and you operate in gratitude, you are blessing your life and everything around you. In the scripture, when people grumbled, they were cursed. When you complain, you get more of whatever it is you're complaining about. When you cheer, you'll get more of whatever it is you're cheering about. The impossible is made possible. Do not wait for perfection. Cheer your way up. Can you say yes? 
Let me just say this. I'm backing up here for, for the media team. When God created the universe, he set a record when he created the universe. It's called the creation record. He broke the creation record because nothing had ever been created. In fact, he had nothing to go by except his own imagination. When God created the universe, he imagined it and he created. Nothing had been created before and by the law of first mention, God, as he was creating, as he was breaking the record, he cheered at himself. Before he made man, he cheered at himself. Somebody goes, I just don't understand why God, these Christians go in there, they pack into churches and they cheer at this egotistical God. No, there's a law in play here. And God cheered at himself before he had you cheering for him. There's something about increasing power when you cheer at something. And so God created light and he gets done with the first day and what did he say? It is good. And then God gets to the end of the second day, he takes land and pulls it out of the sea and what did he say? And then God on the next day creates vegetation and what did he say? He separated day from night and what did he say? He made fish and birds and what did he say? He made land animals and what did he say? And then he made mankind and what did he say? Man, this church knows the Bible. Amen. And so you've got to be careful that you, see, I told Emily, I said, if I was God creating the universe, I'd create light, and I'd come home, and Emily go, honey, how was your day? Oh, you know, I made light. She'd go, good job, man. Way to go. And I'd be like, yeah, but, you know, I still have to make vegetation. I still got to pull the, I got to pull the land out of the sea. My God, I got to separate myself. I would, if I was God, I'd say myself. I'd be like myself. I have to, <laughs> I have to, I, I got, I just got so much to do. And you know what she would say? She would say, shut up and just be happy with your progress. That is how God works. You cheer at progress. You stop right where you are, so what? You still have a chaotic universe. You have light, and you can thank God for light. Some of you don't have much, but you've got something. Will you thank God for whatever it is that he's doing right now? And my voice is so gone. I'm trying to wrap this up here. You know, you know uh, Tony Hawk in the 1999 X Games, he had tried a 900. Uh, well, here, here's, for about 10 years, he had talked about the possibility of doing a 900 in a ramp. And so what happened was, he's in the 1999 X Games, he does a 720 for his first trick. Now he's got two to go. He knows he's got it wrapped up. Second trick, he tries a 900. He doesn't make it. The crowd goes wild. He gets up and he thinks to himself, if I'm ever gonna do a 900, it's gonna be tonight. So he tries it again. They actually suspended the competition. I watched it live. They suspended the competition and they kept, they were banging their boards. They're like, Tony, Tony, Tony. And he kept trying and falling and trying and falling until finally this happens because the crowd went wild. Never before in history competition have we seen a 900. Nine, 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 900. Like, okay, everybody stop skating. Let Tony try and make this. We all just wanted to get behind him and, and see him do it. Crowd wanting to see something spectacular. The whole other side of the skateboard community knowing that this is history. They all wanted to see him make it as much as he wanted to make it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what Tony, what Tony Hawk ended up saying was this. Maybe he goes, he goes, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I felt the crowd, and I knew that if I would ever land this trick, it would be tonight. There are those church services. You want to have a miracle service? Shout like you've never shouted. Praise like you've never praised. You want to hear a good sermon? Shout at the preacher. You want to have a good spouse? Cheer at your spouse. You want to have good children? Be that fanatical mom, that fanatical dad. Yeah, you're blind to the flaws of your kids, but you are the raving fan. I didn't always do this best. Corey is standing here, not maybe him and I knocked heads a lot when he was younger. We've just now created a relationship, a really close relationship. We've always had a close relationship, I think. You love me, right? Yeah, I love you. But Emily was always that mom that couldn't see a single flaw. It's so funny, son and daughter dynamics. Heaven's always like, she never, she never sees anything that he does wrong. That's my daughter, right? And, 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 and he's, she's right. Corey never made a single mistake in Emily's eyes. She's going to get lots of credit when she gets to heaven because of the champion that she raised up by straight up believing in him. You become necessary to people when you believe in them. Come on, you guys. I'm just about done. If I can have five more minutes, I'm going to risk never getting invited back to finish this right. This happened. On, on September 29, 2014, the Kansas City Chiefs reclaimed their record for the loudest stadium. They were fighting with uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Chiefs, and they're going back and forth. 142.2 decibels. They broke the record that night. Now, I want you to go ahead and watch this real quick. It's about 15 seconds. What's wild about that record is when I got done researching this, I said, I wonder who they played that night. They played the New England Patriots. What's wild about that season is that the New England Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs barely had a winning season, but that night, home field advantage, and the crowd went wild and broke the world record for the loudest stadium. The Chiefs took down Goliath when they beat the New England Patriots 41 to 14. What am I saying? If you clap and cheer loud enough, records are broken. You don't want to wait for it to happen. You're going to make it happen. Look at somebody and say, make it happen. I don't know what you need to happen in your life, but the entire atmosphere of this ministry and everyone in it is going to the next level of doing the impossible. You haven't seen it. I'm prophesying right now. There are many of you that have been up against a ceiling for a long period of time. I wouldn't, I'd be so humble to say, because I've been there as a pastor, I would be so humble to say there are communicators in this church that are going, I feel like I just can't preach on the next level. I feel like I just can't teach on the next level. I'm pushing against the ceiling, pushing against the ceiling. And I tell you that God is releasing new praise, new wild cheering into this ministry, and you are going to break through, and you're going to see a new level, a new atmosphere. You've, here's the crazy thing. They go, well, he hadn't been here in a while. I know you just broke through to one, but you're getting ready to break through to another. Don't settle on this plateau. Keep going higher. Listen, marriages are going to be healed. This place is going to become known. Don't set up a marriage counseling appointment. Just go to one of the services. I don't care if you've got to sit there and flip the bird at each other through the whole service. 
by the time you walk out, it'll get on you. And suddenly you'll feel in love again. I remember my wife and I were separated one time, way back. I think we were still in the bed. We never even separated out of the bed. We just bumped ourselves. We were like, I'm not going to the couch, neither am I. Fine. But I remember one night we were like that. We hated each other. We were at the end, and we got to the done at the end of a counseling session. The guy said, hold hands. I was like, I'm not holding her hand. She's like, we held hands. The spark started flying. That was an act of God. That was a miracle of God. And that's the kind of miracle God can start to do in this church. Prodigal children coming back. Businesses going to the next level. You're at the point of bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. You have a sudden turnaround. Millionaires. Oh, my God. What God can do. And God. Yeah. And, and, and go, ahead, go ahead and stand. I'll just kind of run out with this. The third miracle that happens is, so champions are born, records are broken, and this is gonna be a record-breaking church. Record, nothing about it is normal as average. Record-breaking church. God is gonna reward the tenacity. I've seen this family go through so much. They're still standing. You know what? They're not standing as cynics that have been in ministry too long to still love people. They have the same degree of love that that I saw the first day I met them. They still have faith that a drug addict or drug dealer can come in and get their life turned around, even though some have and walk back out and curse the ministry. They believe each new time like it's the first time. And God is going to reward that kind of love, that kind of faith. I'm telling you, it is supernatural. You have needed a miracle. You've done everything you can do. You have needed a miracle. And God sent me here today to say that miracle is prepared. That miracle is coming. How? With cheering. When the crowd goes wild. Some of you have lost your praise. You've lost your clap. Even now your courtesy clapping. Man, God wants to give you back your clap. He wants to give you back your dance. He wants to give you back your shout. Not a hundred people at the altar, but two or three hundred. To make room for hundreds more coming in the back door. The more of you that enter in the cheering, the more will come in through the doors. Everyone rides the bandwagon. And then what happens is all these new people start coming in. And you get to say, I didn't come in after the fact. I made it happen. Remember the Dallas Cowboys this year? They started winning. Well, back in Virginia, everybody started chilling for the Cowboys. How many Cowboys fans do we have? Raise your hand real quick. Okay, a couple of you. We got home one night going out from dinner, and my son-in-law's truck was in my driveway, and this big sign somebody rode by and stuck it on and said, Cowboys butts drive me nuts. I was like, Cole, you got something you want to tell me? Married to my daughter. <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, everyone went, everyone bandwagoned. But there were those fans that had been doing it for years. Like, that's my team. Even though they kind of, you know how it went. Uh, but everyone should have a chance to change the world. And if you will believe in somebody before anybody else does, you will know that you built the platform that gave them the chance to change the world. When I first met your pastor, I was, I was, a, I, that was probably Emily and I got in a fight that weekend, I bet. I was brand new. We were still fighting bad. I was teaching Sunday school. I called my pastor. I can't do it today, my wife. And if you only knew how bad that fight was last night, he said, just God will forgive you. Come on, we need you. I'm like, you, you're a bad leader. I should not be teaching kids right now. But I would go in there and I'd do it. 
He came into town and I, like a groupie, went around and was like, oh man, I feel like God's got a calling on my life. Like this guy we were talking about in the pineapple shirt. He's doing it again. He's doing it again. The guy with the pineapple shirt, I don't know where he is, and the pineapple hat, so cool. And, and, and I thought to myself, if a man of God like that believes in me, maybe I'm gonna be some. Then I remember when you guys invited me to preach the first time, I was like, I'm not a good preacher. They're gonna, I'm preaching at Bethel Harvest? Wow, they must be desperate for a preacher this weekend. I came in here, I don't even think the sermon was that great, but you guys cheered. You made me feel like a champion. I've preached in two stadiums with over 120,000 people in them. I've prophesied to a president, a vice president in two different years. I've preached to 27 million people on live television and radio. I've preached in mega churches around this nation. And I'm telling you, if anybody was a one-talent guy with a junk brain and nothing to offer when he started, it's this guy. I just got some people around me that started cheering and God was doing a miracle and I didn't even know it was happening. Suddenly one day, I'm like, wow, I love myself. And I thank God for everybody who loved me to this point in my life. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, first I don't get in trouble. Lord, I'm asking you for those people who are in this church right now and they're feeling so broken. They're like, man, everything that guy said, my God, he just read my mind, that's me. Stop being down on yourself. Stop being down on yourself. You've messed up. Had a guy tell me he just got out of jail, got out of prison, like 15 years in prison. He said, my whole life is gone. I have nothing. I'm just a walking dead man. I said, oh man, 10 years is a lifetime, my friend. You have no idea what God can do in 10 years. People remarry and have a whole new family in 10 years. People have whole new people go from zero to billionaire in 10 years. You never know what can happen. Don't give up on yourself. God hasn't given up on you. And if I could just get him to believe in himself, he's gonna come up. And there are people in here that God is cheering over you. The cloud of witnesses are on their feet and they're cheering for you. And I think this church should practice right now, cheering about the great potential in this church. I think we should lift our voices and cheer Go bigger. Go bigger. Go bigger. You can go bigger. 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 Bigger, 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 bigger. We cheer. Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing and all you're about to do. I want to talk forever. I'm so sorry. I feel so prophetic. I haven't felt like this in years. I feel like literally I could go all day long. No, six o'clock. Come back at six o'clock. And I'm going to get into your head, help you. Oh, man. Father, we thank you. Praying over broken relationships. There are a few marriages in here right now. Literally, you came to church. You're trying to figure out how you're going to break the news. There's at least one marriage. You're figuring out how you're going to break the news to the kids. You're figuring, trying to figure out how you're going to break the news to friends. You want to separate so bad. The only reason you haven't done it is because of outside variables. And God is healing today. He is healing you today. I'm not going to call you out because of how sensitive that could be for other people. But if you would, would everybody just bow your heads real quick? Be respectful of this. If that's you, would you raise your hand just so I can see it? Just me. Just me. Just raise your hand. Thank you. I want to pray right now. 
I see three different sections of hands. And I'm asking you, will you pray with me, church? God, we're asking you. We are asking you to do that miracle right now. It's amazing. You could do it right now. I pray, God, the Lord is saying right now, Satan has been successful at turning molehills into mountains, and God says, now I'm moving the mountain. Stuff that irritated you will not irritate you when you go out of church today. I'm doing a miracle right now in your life. And when I'm done with it, you should testify to others that God can do a miracle. God, I thank you right now. The pressure just released. The pain just left. Thank you so much. God, out of this church, I believe startup companies, I I have a vision of unique creative spaces where startup companies are beginning and going from zero to billion in five years. God, there is so much potential in this church. The Lord says, I'm bringing all different kinds of people into this church. This will be one of the most diverse churches in all the nation. It has been historically, but even more so, the culture is safe. And there won't be a single person of any kind to come in these doors and not find a place, not find one that looks like them. God, I thank you that you are bringing that kind of spirit of diversity and creativity. I believe that new things are coming into this church, new ideas. Had a friend of mine said, I'm growing so fast right now. I'm, 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 I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I feel like it's about to fall apart. And the prophecy that I had was, let it go. Let it just go. Let God. It's so fun when you're running so fast downhill that you have to just fall and roll. Just let God tumble you into victory. That's what's happening here. Father, I thank you. There is coming a season of reward. And we celebrate it. Father, we ask you to forgive us for all the complaining that we've done to one another, about one another. There are people right now, you complained about the church. I'm not coming down. I say it with such a smile. Just ask the Lord to forgive you right now. And just, man, maybe you don't even, maybe you just need to start saying nice things in place of the bad things. Just say for every one thing going wrong, there are 10 things going right. I have an attitude of gratitude. Father, give us eyes to see the victory that's all around us. Let us be like this, not like the servant who couldn't see, but God says, I'm giving you eyes to see the chariots of fire round about you, the provision, the miracle, eyes to see what only seasoned people can see. God, I pray that you give us new eyes, that we would operate from a position of victory instead of from a position of panic. That we would be like the prophet who stood up and said, Ah, you, you silly young servant. God, give him eyes to see. And he saw chariots of fire round about. Angelic warriors. The word in my spirit is miracle. I say it again. I end with it. The word in my spirit for this church is miraculous. Is miracle. This church is going to break barriers. This, I'm not one of those guys that likes to prophesy, this is a year of this or that. But I'm saying right now, this year, 2017, for hundreds and hundreds of people will come through these doors. This will be the year that things that have been broken for 20 years will suddenly be healed. Things, problems, 
situations that you've given up on will suddenly be resurrected back to life again. If you stop believing in a dream because it got too hard, this is right now is the time to lean into God and to believe. The Bible says in Zechariah 10.1, it says, ask for rain in the season of rain. In other words, ask God to give you what he already wants to give you when he wants to give it to you. You need to start praying like prophesying instead of begging. You need to start asking God for what he already wants to do so that he can finally do it. And Father, I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, missionaries going out of this church. God says, because of the way that you have that you have gotten around Corey, my son. I was praying this over this church. The way you've gotten around Corey and you've encouraged him. I watched him when he came home. How animated he was because this church believed in him so much. God says, I'm putting a blessing on your church and mission. This place will be a place, a sending place of missionaries and apostles and pastors all over the nation and the nations of the world. Get ready because. Corey is just one of hundreds you're going to see raised up and they're going to change the world. There's an anointing for that. Matter of fact, God says, this is Lexington, Kentucky. Everything seems to be safe. It's white collar. Everything's clean. But God says, I'm giving you an edgy ministry. I see motorcycles pulling into the parking lot. I'm talking street bikes, a dangerous one. Ooh, those dangerous ones. God says, I'm bringing crazy stuff into this church. Out of the box. All the boxes are being broken. Oh, man, and it's getting ready to get fun in here. It's getting ready to get fun in this church like never before. God says, I'm releasing a fun spirit over this ministry, happiness and joy. And I'm not talking about Holy Ghost, you know, inspired joy that only comes during a service. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. It's coming. Yes, that is your strength. And God says, some of you are saying, I've lost my strength. I feel like Samson. I trimmed back my strength. I messed up. Is there anything left for me? God, if you would just strengthen me one more time. God says, I'm about to strengthen you again. Your hair is growing back. Your mightiest, mightiest moment is still ahead. That's the story with Samson. God always has one more thing for you to do for him. If you'll believe him. I kind of feel like with Samson, if he would have asked God to use him for the rest of his life, God might have granted that, but he said, one more time, just one more. God always, and see, that's why it's so important you believe in yourself and you love yourself. You've got to dream big enough. And many people are broken and cowardly and they cannot dream. And God says, I'm giving you the ability to dream. I'm lifting you up so that you can see farther distances. And God says, if you see it, Say it out loud, write it down, and go for it. Thank you, Father. I see a vision of people, and they all have journals in the church, but they're not line journals. They're artistic journals. They're blank pages, and you have colored pencils, and you're drawing pictures of your future. God said you're going to color outside the lines, and you're going to do things that are going to trend. God said this church is already at the benchmark, and you can't trend unless you reach the benchmark. You're at the benchmark. You're at the benchmark. You've got everything that needs to be gotten, and God says now I'm going to give you the ability to start to trend. You'll be, you'll be the churches, not just this year, you'll be the churches doing the signs that everybody's holding up next year. The things you do are going to stick because God says, I'm giving you the ability. This is crazy. I can't believe I'm saying some of this stuff. Hey, look up here real quick. I literally saw myself prophesying over, over Redefine tonight in a vision. And I thought in the middle of my, myself seeing myself prophesy, 
I saw people looking at me like, come on, man, is every person in this whole room going to like fill stadiums and do all this stuff? And, I, and then God said to me, he said, it is your prophetic gift to call out big things like that. I wouldn't send you here if everyone in the room didn't have that kind of potential. And so the fact that I'm standing here, the fact that I'm here, that's my gift. God says, dream as big as you want to dream. The problem for most people is they're living way too low. And God says it's easier to go after the big dream than to go after little things. So we let go and we pursue and we go forward. We get out of the boat. It's easier to be Peter on the water than everybody else on the boat. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.